Well, good morning. Again. I was over there, now I'm here, so uh, I don't know what to say. Other than I'm glad to be here today. This is a day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Got a question for you. You know, we're doing this sermon series on Can You See Him? And, uh, you know, I, uh, I just was wondering, I was going to ask these couple questions. Here they are. Do you understand everything that you believe in? Do you? No, you don't? You know, that's, sometimes people think they have to do that because, like, you know, I've been married 37 years, and I believe in my wife, but I don't understand nothing about her. I'm sorry if that was offensive. I love her. She loves me. I don't understand electricity. Those of you that work in those kinds of fields and you understand things like that, for me, it's magic. You push a switch and and the light comes on and it's amazing unless the bulb needs changing, right? Or something like that. But you know what? The fact that I don't understand electricity doesn't mean that I sit in a dark room all day either. I still push the button. I don't understand how airplanes fly. But I get on them, fly, and I look out there and I see those wings going like this, and it's amazing to me. Now, see, some of you folks understand some of this, but there are things in life that we don't understand, but yet we still believe in it. We still believe in it. I want to tell you right out of the gate today that I believe this is God's Word. I don't apologize for that, and that's the basis from which I'm coming today is that this is God's Word and that it is truth. A few years ago, I had a young man walk in my office, and he said, I don't believe the Bible. Any of you ever encounter that? I mean, we live in a world where that's, you know, getting to be relatively common, where people say, well, I don't, you know, there's errors in the Bible. That's what he said to me next. You know what I do when people say that to me? I hand it to him. I hand it to that young man. He said, I don't believe the Bible. I said, really? I said, let me ask you two questions. One, have you ever read it? And he said, no, from cover to cover, no. I said, so you're basing a judgment upon something that you've never even read all the way through. Second question is, you said it's full of errors, show me one. And he said, well, I said, that's what I thought. Now let me tell you about Jesus. Because you see, that's what happens. A lot of times people don't understand, and because they can't understand, they don't believe. But they'll do it in regards to other things in their life, won't they? Take it right down the road. Have you ever doubted your faith? Honestly, have you? You ever had the world feel like it was caving in on you? And you're thinking, man, where is God? You know, I think that's things that we go through. You ever wonder why? There's a magic word, why. We get hit with that a lot, don't we, in, in the world. And, and then you look at the news sometimes. You t- turn the television on, you see something, you go, why? You know, and I, as I've read through the scripture for 45 plus years or whatever since I started reading, when I was a kid in Sunday school, one thing that I've never really under, or never seen an explanation as to the why, but what I have seen is the who. Who we're supposed to trust. Where we're supposed to go with it. The explanations aren't always there. So anyway, can you see him? This is the last series, uh, the last sermon in this series. And the, the last one today is called Believing is Seeing. Um, and so here's the first point that you got in your bulletin. It says, you don't have to un- every, understand everything to believe in something. And I want to read from the Gospel of John, the ninth chapter today. If you have your Bibles, we're going to do this a little different. We're going to go down verse by verse. But I want to share this story with you because this is such an incredible story. And those of you that have been in church 
uh, and studied the scriptures for most of your life, or those of you that are Bible students, you will, this will ring a bell immediately. And it goes like this. It's a story about a blind man. I'll give you the overview, kind of the quick overview of it. There's a blind man here that was blind from birth. Jesus heals him. And there's an array of characters in this ninth chapter. And they're characters that I think we can relate to today. Hopefully we'll see some of that. So here's, here it is, chapter 9, verse 1. It says this, the very first verse, it says, As he went along, he saw a man that was blind from birth, he being Jesus. He comes upon this man who was blind from birth. Now, I can't imagine this situation. This man has been blind. He's never seen the sunrise. He's never seen the sunset. He's never seen colors. He's been in this community his whole life. Everybody knew him. He was blind from birth, as it says in the first verse. And then look what happens here in the second verse. His disciples, Jesus says, ask him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? What kind of question is that? As we sit here in 2015. Well, you got to understand the world that they lived in. Some of them had this concept that if there was something wrong, that it was, it was some sin that had caused it. Hmm, what a troubling thing that was. Have you ever seen good come out of bad? Jesus said, look at the next verse, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened so that the works of God might be manifested. You ever seen good come out of bad? Sometimes things happen and they're horrible, and you can't explain them. We don't know why. But in that, there can be good things that come. I'm thinking about last year ago, December. My wife's mother, who I've been in the family for 35 years, I loved her like my own mom. Took her to the hospital. She wasn't feeling good. Diagnosed stage four lung cancer. Six weeks, six months. Didn't know. Wonderful lady. One of the kindest people I've ever met in my life. In fact, I've married a little version of it over here. Just would, you know, one day a guy came to borrow gas. She gave him the keys to the car, gas can, and everything. Said, here, didn't even know who the guy was. That's how she was. She was diagnosed with this awful disease, and we didn't know what to do. The family, there's nine kids and all the outlaws and in-laws, and it was awful. You know what happened about three days into that? My brother-in-law walked into the, to the, to the hospital room with her, and he said, Mom, I just, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to, I don't know how, but are you ready? Are you ready for eternity? And she said, I want, to, I want you to pray with me. She accepted Christ right there. I walked in the room, and my mother-in-law, for the first time, had her hands in the air going, praise Jesus. That's bad. That's good, coming out of a bad situation. And you know what happened as a result of that? We had a wonderful Thanksgiving supper. She said, this is my going-home party. This was my mother-in-law that was such a blessing. And you know what? One of these days, I'm going to get to see her. This young man hadn't seen anything his whole life. That's not good grammar, but it's the way it was. He... He'd, and Jesus came by, they asked him this question, and he said, this is so God can be manifested, the glory can be manifested here. And look at what happens. Verse, uh, verse 3, Jesus said, neither but the works of God might be displayed. Point number 2, can you see him? In God's word, what we see as a setback sometimes is a setup for something good. You hear what I said? Sometimes a setback can be something that can be a setup for something good. It was on our sign out there this week. When I drove through the first time, I was like, hmm, I'm not sure I get that. But you know what? If you look in the Bible, there's example after example of something happening with individuals where it looked like, man, that's bad. And then something good comes out of it. 
How about the little shepherd boy? He's told one day he's going to be the king. But go tend sheep right now. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, and then while you're at it, we got a giant we want you to face. Another setback for David. Oh, and then there was that little episode he had with the woman. Another setback. But then he, he came to the Lord. He gave his heart to the Lord and became a man after God's own heart, which the Scripture talks about, and he did great things. What about Joseph? I told him in the early service. I thought, Joseph, I thought Dolly Parton wrote a song about Joseph in the Old Testament. He had a coat of many colors. You'll get that on the way home if you... Those of you that don't listen to country music know what I'm... You know, Joseph was this young boy. He was kind of smarty pants, cocky little dude, you know. And his brothers, he was walking on a trip with them, and he's telling his brothers how he was the one that was going to get all the good stuff and blah, blah, blah. And they just throw him in a hole, beat him up, throw him in a hole, and left him for dead, right? You guys know the story? Setback. Got a huge setback going here. And as it works out, they come along, they get him, somebody finds him, another group of people find him, and he goes into the Potiphar's house, and he works his way up through the ranks. Next thing you know, he's the food distributor. And there's a drought and a famine in the country. And guess what? His dad and his brothers, they all come in to get food, and they're standing there, and they look up, and he's standing there, and Joseph's looking at him. It was a setback, now it's a setup. God's got something good he can feed his family. How cool is that? When was the last time something bad happened in your life, and you said, God, how can I bring glory to you in this? That's what I thought. I didn't do it either. But we can, can't we? Amen? Because in those moments, if you look back over your life, each one of us have stories and we have things that's happened in our lives and God's used it for good. And we can bring glory to him. And sometimes it can take your breath and it can be awful and you think, how can anything good come out of this? We're reading a story about it right now. Let's go on. Let's look at some more of these characters. Number three on your outline says, to extend a hand in times of suffering is when God can bring glory. Hence, we show the character of God. Burlington Baptist Church, I've been in a lot of churches in my life, but it's one of the finest churches I've ever been in my life. Somebody say amen. Now, that's true. Now, that's true. This church has been here for over 180-something years, and you know what? It'll be going. The Lord's going to continue to bless it because they're following Jesus. You know what's wrong with a lot of churches is we don't get out. We get in. And the churches that are dying, that's exactly what's happening. They're serving inwardly instead of outwardly. Do you know how many ministries go on in this church? If you could come here every day and see what we see as a staff, it's amazing. One time we did a parade and we held the signs up showing all our, there was over 55 ministries going on in this church. 55 things that was being, re, you know, you hear about the dollar club. I know we, we mentioned that a lot, but you wouldn't believe the good that comes from that. There are so many other things. Look at the children's ministries. And it's because of people like you that are behind this church, believe in this church, and believe in the ministry of this church. There's a lot of good things that can be done when we pull together as a church. We looked at a logo, you know, I, I hate to say this word, branding. Any of you that are in corporate kind of settings, you know, we brand. You have branding within your companies, and we were looking at some branding a year or two ago. And one of the things that we looked at, and I loved it, was the church has left the building. Like Elvis, you know what I mean? But how cool is that? I mean, that's really what the Lord called us to do. You know, we come in here and we corporately worship, and that's cool, man. I'm encouraged. You know what? When you're not here and you're not sitting in your pew, and you're not sitting in your pew, because we all got our places, we're Baptists, that's what we do. 
you're missed. But it's so cool when I walk in here and I see your smiling face. And hopefully it's cool when you see somebody else's smile, maybe not mine, but somebody that you love that encourages, comes up and says, hey man, how you doing? I noticed you didn't sing with me today, but, but it was a blessing that you're here. You know what I'm saying? Don't bow your head, they won't know I'm talking about you. <laughs> you know I love you, Dave, I'm just messing with you, man. We extend a hand in times of suffering and we become the hands and feet of Jesus. And that's one of the things that attracted me to this church, is it's always been that way. Because that's who it is. That's who they're made up of. That's who you are in Jesus Christ. This story, Jesus reached out to this young man. And now, let's go on down here. Let's go on down. Now, this is the part of this story that a guy like me, as a germaphobe, has a little problem with. But I'm going to read it anyway. And here's what it says. After saying this, as, uh, let's go to verse 4. As long as it is day, Jesus said, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Jesus is saying this, and here's the part, verse 6. After saying this, Jesus, uh, he spit on the ground, made some mud with saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. I've heard this story my whole life, and I still cre- like you know, like cringe when I hear it. Lord, forgive me if that's wrong. I don't mean it to be, but I mean you know, it's just like really, why would he do that? I mean, I read that when I was in vacation Bible school. I read that in Sunday school, and every time I read it, I went really. I did a little study on this. I did a little study on this. Did some background checking on this kind of thing, and here, here's something interesting. Check this out. There was a guy named Pliny. He was a Roman collector of what was scientific information of the time, of this time. You follow that? His name was Pliny. He collected information of Roman stuff, of scientific time at the time. And here's what it says. Even at the time, they believed that there was a sovereign preservative in the culture of people who were leaders in their saliva. And they even believed that this preservative was against, could prevent against poisonous snakes. It protected against epilepsy. It even mentions that the, the fasting, spitting, fasting spittle can cure leprous spots. You know what's happening here? Jesus took something that they were familiar with, got their attention, and then healed that man. That makes sense, doesn't it? That's kind of cool. That's kind of cool. Jesus tells him to go over to the pool of Siloam. He went and washed, and look at here. He comes back seeing. Can you imagine what this was like? Can you imagine his whole life? As I said earlier, he he hasn't seen his family. Can you imagine what that was like when he walked up and saw them for the first time? The excitement that was going through him. I mean, it's got to be incredible. Well, this is a great story. This is a wonderful story. It's got a great, you know, positive take to it. But now watch what starts happening here. This is what gets interesting. Look at here. The fact that Jesus used methods and customs to heal wasn't uncommon. It wasn't that he believed in these things, but he was kindling expectation. We go down to verse 8, and here's what it says. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging 
asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? And some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself instead said, I am the man. You know what? When you see Jesus, you can't help but tell other people about it. Come on. It's got to come out. It's got to come out somewhere. And these people couldn't believe it. What's just happened here? It's a miracle. How then were your eyes open, they asked him. Look at what he says. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes, and he told me to go to Siloam and wash. I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. He said, I don't know. Isn't this an incredible story? Look at the characters that are starting to pull into this. It's amazing. He doesn't understand what's going on, but yet he can see. And the neighbors are going, who did this? And he said, Jesus. And they said, where is he? He said, I don't know. It's pretty crazy, isn't it? Let's go on down. Look at here. Verse 13. Now we got some other people that come into it. So we got the neighbors. Now we get the religious folk. Uh-oh. Check this out. I mean, it's not enough that a miracle's just been happening. They brought to the, the Pharisees, they brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind, and now the day on which Jesus made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Remember last week I told you what a Pharisee was? A Pharisee was a religious person of the time. They had 613 rules that they had to keep. Oh, well, we just broke a big one, didn't we? The Sabbath. Didn't even mention the fact that the guy was blind. Now he can see. Didn't mention the fact that it changed everything for good. But we got a rule. We got a rule. Sometimes we have religious goggles and we have rules, don't we? Yeah, we do. And you know what? We should always, always follow what Jesus says. Always. Check this out. So they're upset about the Sabbath day. Now they go on and says, uh, Therefore the Pharisees asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed and now I see. You know, do you remember the day before you saw Jesus? Do you remember the days before you saw Christ? Do you remember the day you accepted Christ, those of you that are Christ followers? Do you remember that? What happened? What happened? Do you remember how you felt? You remember how, how like the burden of the world had been lifted off your shoulders? You remember how you wanted to tell everybody about Jesus? Remember that? There's a similarity here with this story, isn't there? You got this guy who was blind, now he sees, now he's telling people, and you got religious people that are bent out of shape about it. Why? Because he didn't experience it the same way they did. Don't you hate it when that happens? When your religion doesn't line up with somebody else's religion, or your experience is a little different and that makes yours invalid, they say. If we're following Jesus, we can't help but spread the gospel. We can't help but share the good news. It is good news. And all this speculating and bickering that they were doing, the fact remained was they had a man there that had been blind, they'd seen him, and now he can see. And the only thing they can figure out is this Jesus did it. What a display of characters. I love verse 25. Look at this. Go down to verse 25. Or verse 24. A second time they summoned the man who had been blind, give glory to God by telling the truth. They said, we know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. Talking about Jesus. He said, here's what I do know. 
I do know this, that I was blind, but now I see. He didn't need an explanation. You didn't need an explanation when you accepted Jesus. You knew it was real. You knew he'd moved into your life. And you knew you wanted to share it with the world. Amen? And that's the way it works. And so many times we get bogged down. We get caught up in this thing. And it chokes us down because of why we get into, you know, things that we, it just, it drives us crazy. People push down on us. But Jesus came that we could have life and have it more abundantly. There's some characters in this. We got the blind man, we got the parents, and we got the Pharisees. They threatened him. You know when an argument becomes a threat, it becomes a contest in bitterness. And that's what was happening with these Pharisees. They were bitter because he had just destroyed their religion with something good. Jesus turned the world upside down. And you know what? He's still doing that, isn't he? He's still doing it. It's amazing. I was in college, me and my wife, we were dorm parents. Residence directors, I think, is the new word. We had 75 boys that were three years younger than we were. And we were the ones watching over things. And out of the 75, we had about 10 that were preacher's kids. (laughs) And we started a Bible study on the third floor. We had an empty room, and we started this Bible study. I called it the upper room. And you know what happened? We had these kids coming in from all over the country because it was a liberal arts college. You may not know this, but I have a degree. Actually, I have two degrees. I have a degree in music. I have a bachelor's degree in music. Sandy, I bet you didn't know that, did you? You didn't. See, you thought it. Anyway, (laughs) I also have a a, a degree in ministry. And so this school offered all kinds of degrees. Uh, They had vocational things and so forth. So there was an array of characters that was in this dorm. We started this Bible study, and one day this young man walked up to me, and he said, you know what, my roommate's been coming up there. He gave his heart to the Lord, and I don't know who this guy is anymore. He won't party with me. He won't do anything. Kind of like the blind guy, right? His life had been changed. I said, why don't you come up and join us? Oh, I don't know about that, man. He said, what do you guys do? I said, well, we talk about Jesus. He said, well, I've heard about him. Now, we're talking about somebody in Indiana, okay, over where I was in college that had come in there to go to school and had never heard the story of the gospel. That just that seems impossible, doesn't it? So we began to tell him about Jesus, and he came to this Bible study, and he saw these guys. You know what happened? Revival broke out, and 37 guys got baptized. I called a church. They said, yeah, you can borrow our baptistry. Went over there. Them guys were jumping in that thing, splattering water everywhere. You know why they were excited? Their lives had been changed, and they didn't understand all they knew about it, but they believed. And that's the way this thing works. That's the way this thing works. We don't always understand. What point am I on? Number four. Have you got them all up to number four? Newsflash. We can't understand everything God does. That's why he's God, and we're not. It's time to take our God shirts off and let him have it. I don't want that responsibility anyway, do you? I really don't. Some things are unexplainable, but other things are undeniable. Just like this blind man. When you give your heart to the Lord, you can't explain it, but you can't deny it either, can you? You can't deny it. It's an amazing experience that happens in our lives. Here's the deal. When we come down to the message of the gospel, Jesus came into the world, 
And he loved us so much that he gave his life for us. Scripture says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's amazing. That's the greatest miracle I've ever seen. Because of that cross, we can have eternal life. And it's basically, you come to him and you call upon his name. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, God doesn't want to be at odds with us. He's done everything he can to be in your life and my life. He's done everything he can. You have to make that step. Today, we're here in this place. We've come here to worship him. But I'm going to ask you a pointed question. Have you ever made that commitment to Christ? Somebody asked me, how do you do that? You know, the Bible says you confess your sins and he forgives you. That's a miracle. That's a miracle. Well, you know, Kent, I got this little problem. Got this little habit. I got to get rid of it. Well, you know what? Jesus said, come unto me, all you labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Why don't you give it to him and let him help you get rid of it? Amen? The gospel message is to go into all the world and preach the, the, the message of the cross. And I love this message. Uh, as Baptists, we talk about the Great Commission frequently, don't we? We hear about it frequently. And that is where it says, go into all the world, preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But you know what? And when you read that message, I love what Jesus said in that last verse. Pull that up for me, Pete. He told him to go into the world and preach the gospel. Jesus knew that it wasn't going to be easy. He had already experienced that. It's your job and it's my job to show people and to share Christ with people. I said this a couple of weeks ago, look down at your feet. You know, you look at them and you go, where did they go this week? Everywhere those feet stepped, you've had the opportunity to share Christ. But Jesus knew that it wasn't going to be easy. And that's why he put this part on here. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Man, that's good news. Maybe you got stuff in your life today and you're feeling burdened. God doesn't want you to feel that way. He doesn't want you to be blinded by the things of this world. He wants you to have peace. That's why we're here today. We come in this place to worship him. And we're all, you know, sometimes I think we as human beings like to think we're a little better than others. But we're all broken. And by the grace of God, we come together. And we share and we worship him. Isn't that awesome? Do you have a need in your life today? Is there something that you need to pray about? Something that you need to give to the Lord? In our tradition, we come forward and we, we kneel. But you know what? You don't have to do that. You can kneel right where you are. A lot of traditions have kneeling rails right behind the pews. So I want to encourage you to do that today. Don't leave here with junk in your life. Let Christ come into your life and take, take it away. Amen? Won't you stand with me?